We're going to start with Bill O'Reilly here in uh, just a second. Whoa. Uh, yeah, we got a, we have a packed show for you today. Not all heroes wear capes. Some of them just feed their dogs rough greens. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what I do. Okay, so I have a cape. Stu, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. A superhero. Sarah, nope. Don't even have a dog, do you? You are. Are you a cat person? He died, so thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're a witch. Uh, anyway. She's uh, using your tricks against you, that's why. <laughs> Rough Greens, uh, if you have a dog and you want them to live a long, healthy life, unlike Sarah, who just practically killed her dog, I'm sure. Rough Greens, <laughs> uh, it's a supplement that you put on your uh, dog's food. Filled with the vitamins and minerals and probiotics and antioxidants, all the things your dog needs. Get a free bag of Rough Greens for your dog to try out right now. All you pay for is shipping. Call Rough Greens uh, at roughgreens.com slash Beck or 833-GLEN-33. It's 833-G-L-E-N-N-33. Roughgreens.com slash Beck. Bill O'Reilly's next. So glad you're here. We're gonna. We have just such a packed show today. We're gonna start with Mr. Bill O'Reilly. I mean, it's practically like a visit from Christ Himself, isn't it? He is so pious and holy. And hmm. oh no, I was singing another Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly's joining us with the news of the week in sixty. Judy wrote in about her experience with Relief Factor. She said, I'm amazed. My knee was in really bad shape, and the next step was knee replacement. I've been through all the injections, but to no avail. Then I tried Relief Factor. After only a short time, I was able to remove my brace and walk again without pain. I take it every single day, and considering that I still have my original knee, I am singing Relief Factor's praises. You're living a life of pain, get out of pain. Try this, please. It has four different ingredients that attack inflammation where ibuprofen 800. Oh, sure. I wouldn't drive under that stuff. Uh, It will uh, decrease inflation in some people, but that attacks it from one direction. This attacks four different ways. Pain is uh, generally caused by inflammation, and that's the biggest problem uh, with our bodies, even a lot of things. Even cancer kind of stems back from inflammation. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. Call 800, the number four, Relief. ReliefFactor.com. Feel the difference. Mr. Bill O'Reilly, how are you, sir? Welcome to Good Friday. Yes, and like the Nazarene, I am misunderstood. That's the only (laughs) thing we have in common. Right. 
Well, you are the guy who wrote the book on assassination, I think. You, you wrote Killing Jesus, a personal yep. testimony of how you did it by Bill O'Reilly, um, or something like that. Um, Bill, welcome to the program. What's the big story of the week? Um, Putin uh, did everything, inflation, uh, oh, the geez. border, it's Putin, he did it all, and Jesus itself. Um, interestingly enough, on the No Spin News last night, <clears throat> Beck, for the first time in 25 years, I laid out why I believe that Jesus is God. I have never done that in any forum, anywhere, anytime. I am a secular news reporter and analyst. But I did it um, because of one statistic that rolled in, that we are now at an all-time high in America of people who have rejected religion, 30% of the population. And that really startled me because if you know American history, you know that we were, this country was, founded on Judean Judeo-Christian philosophy. And, and the Constitution was there to give everyone a chance to practice whatever religion they wanted. And that was different from Europe. And that's why all the people from Europe came here. And now a third of the population is saying, you know, blank religion. So I decided, uh, because my family for centuries have been Roman Catholics, you know, we're Irish, and, and St. Patrick went over and converted that country, and I decided to tell people. So I wanted to see if you were interested in me just posing a few questions sure. to you yeah, yeah. On, on this Good Friday. Yeah, sure. Okay. Number one, did you know that Jesus was not a carpenter? Y yeah, yes. No, I have right. no idea. Stu had no idea. I, of course, knew that. Well, Stu was a pet. Let's, yeah. let's be frank, Stu's a pagan, so... Um, An unwashed... So I was really. taught in school, and so were most uh, people, that Jesus was a carpenter. Mm. There's one problem with that. There was no wood, no trees in Judea. Everybody lived in stone dwellings. Well, Jesus was a, a stone cutter, okay? Um, and his father, Joseph, uh, did that, and then Jesus did it from about age 16 to 30, um, they were stonecutters. They were very poor. And um, then, because of John the Baptist, a real person, Jesus decided to become a preacher. Now, another question. Did you know that being the Messiah back then in Judea was a job, an industry? Did you know that? I didn't know it was a job, but I knew it was very popular to yes. claim you were the Messiah. And there, there were a like, lot of people up in the hills that were saying that. But it was they a, were down in the deserts and, and all yeah. that. And it was, there were about 300 messiahs. Yeah. And they were running around because they got paid. Because people would give them food and clothing and shelter, and they go from town to town, and right. I'm the Messiah. Well, and, they were looking. How you doing? They were looking for a warrior. They were looking for somebody who well, was going to were miserable put together an army. Oppressed. Right, right. They, they were oppressed, and they were looking for a savior. Right. So he was running around, but none of these guys got any traction except for John the Baptist. All right, and he didn't really overwhelm it, but he had a base of people who believed that he was the Messiah, even though he kept telling them, I'm not. And then they arrested um, the Baptist, okay, because he said that Herod, marrying his brother's 
wife was wrong. <laughs> and then Harry said, well, we're going to get this guy out of the out of the box, okay? And they took him to jail. All that's history. Uh, hang on just a oh. second. Uh, another thing, and I can I can prove this to you. Uh, if John the Baptist were alive today, he would have voted for Biden and read the New York Times. Okay. Uh, okay. Re- um, reason. Uh, reason. Yes. He ate bugs. He and, ate locusts. And that's well, what with, they're pushing wait, us into. Wait. Yeah. With honey, though. Come on. Mm. It wasn't just straight locusts. Mm, well, he was. They dumped a, dumped redis- a little honey on it. Redistributing now, the, the reason, honey from the bees. The reason that I was able to accumulate all of this information was, be, and, and this really, really rankles um, the atheists, was because there were two written threads of what Jesus was doing. Mm-hmm. And, they were, and they, were wrote, they were written by spies. The first thread was the Sanhedrin, the Jewish temple authorities. Once people started to follow Jesus... Word got back that this guy was different than the other 300. He was attracting large crowds. Okay? And the thing was that you couldn't hear Jesus, Beck. You couldn't hear him. There was no radio. There was no microphone. There wasn't Whoa, anything. I didn't know that. You couldn't. You could see him. Because when he preached, he usually preached in a place that was elevated, like a mountain or a hill, Uh or on the Sea of Galilee in a boat. Right. You could see him, but you couldn't hear him. Uh So then the logical question becomes, why would thousands at the end of his uh, life, would thousands of people who had to work to eat, so you, it wasn't like they had discretionary leisure time, all right? These people, if they wanted meals, they had to work from sunup to sundown. They left their job place to follow this guy around when they couldn't hear him. So the only rational explanation for that is what? He had a personal amphi- amplification system. <laughs> He, okay. He had an award like on a fanny pack. Logical, and write this down, Stu. Right. <laughs> the only logical explanation, and we are logical people here, is the works. W O R K S in in quotes. Now we do not have the miracles in killing Jesus. It is not a religious book. It is a history. But the spies from the Sanhedrin reported back that Jesus was curing people. That it, was reportage. Where do you and it fi- was written down. Where do you find those writings? I know you can find Jesus we, in in uh, Josephus in his writings one of the first That is where we found it. Okay. Okay. The Israeli government granted me and Martin Dugard, my co author, access. We went to Israel, Dugard did all right, he saw the records that Josephus basically reported on, and uh, that's how we got it. But there was another thread. Once these crowds got big, the Romans sent spies as well. Okay? And everywhere Jesus went, there were two sets of spies, the Jewish spies and the Roman spies. They didn't know each other, by the way. They just blended in. 
because Pilate, the governor of Judea, was worried there was going to be an insurrection. And so there were Roman records as well. And those records again cited the big crowds were excited by the works. Okay, now, the spies didn't believe the works. They didn't say, oh, I saw Lazarus get risen from the dead or a leper cured or a blind man could see. They did not say that. They said, this is what the people are saying. This is what they're coming to see. Okay, again, you go back. Now, it would be impossible for a stone cutter from an uh, a small town, Nazareth, that had nothing. It was very it was a joke. It was a joke of a town. Right. Yeah. To become the most famous person who has ever lived. 31% of the planet's population are Christian. 2.4 billion people today follow Jesus, believe he's God. That is impossible in rational thought if there wasn't something else going on. He would have, as all the others did, disappeared from history after he was executed. Now, I could go on and on, but the point that I made on the No Spin News last night on BillOReilly.com, and anybody can see it, by the way. You just go in and you can see my whole 15-minute uh, monologue on this, is that this isn't some, uh, a belief in Jesus is not some mystical thing that plucks out of the air as the atheist would have you believe. Now, I know there are people of other faiths who don't believe Jesus is God, and that's fine. Islam is the second most prevalent religion on the planet, all right? But if you are really a person seeking the truth, which, you know, I mean, I don't know, maybe 40% of us do that, I, I don't know. If you are really want to know the truth, you've got to ask these questions, You've got to say, this is a guy who had nothing, nothing. And he goes around and he attracts people. And on Palm Sunday, that sealed his doom. Right. When he walked into Jerusalem, again, historic fact, he was there. It was written down by the scribes in the temple. There were thousands of people, all right, praising him. Right. And once the temple authorities and Pilate saw that, they said he's got to go for different reasons. Pilate did not want an insurrection. All right, he feared that because his job was to send money back to Augustus Caesar. And if he didn't send the money, and Pilate got it at the end, by the way. All right, and the Sanhedrin was just petrified that this guy was going to take their job. So they had to get rid of him. Uh, and that's what happened. All right. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you for that. Uh, I don't know if you have you watched The Chosen yet, Bill? I have not seen that. No. It is. It is the best Jesus uh, movie story I've ever seen. It is tremendous. Just truly tremendous. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it looks at um, at all of those things. And, you know, people, you're exactly right. People think that Jesus is like maybe some made up guy because they haven't done yeah. their homework. Um, even yeah. even Islam believes in Jesus and believes he was a, a prophet. A prophet uh, well, who here, will... Here's the thing. And this is important. 
the media in America, which is the carrier of information and always has been. Yeah. Okay. They don't like organized religion. Yeah. So you will, you'll, you'll hear it on your programs and on my programs because we're people who believe we're believers. But you know this because you've been in the media, what, 85 years now? An amazing <laughs> run for you? Everybody knew when I worked at ABC and CBS and then later Fox News that I went to church. They always knew that I went to mass. All right. Now I wasn't running around going, oh, I'm a holy guy. I'm the biggest sinner around. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they knew that, that I had this fundamental belief and they, that was like weird. I was like strange. Oh, and I mean, and people would come up to me because wait, wait a minute, how can you possibly believe this? And I look at them and I go, um, if you really want to know the truth, you start to analyze the historical yes. fact. It doesn't lead you to any other conclusion. Yeah. Even I think now you, you look at the scientific facts and there's just, I mean, you know, we, we, we don't even know how the body works yet. We don't know how the brain works uh, with all of our high tech. And we just think this just evolved without some design. It, it, uh, to me, it's crazy. All right. It Bill, is crazy. Hang on just a second. Back with more of Bill O'Reilly. American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Here's the thing. I, if you own your own home, how much are you paying for your credit cards? Your credit cards, your credit cards are probably about 19% interest right now. And that is going to go up. They're anywhere. The average is about 19 to 22%. That is in the territory of not being able to pay it back because uh, it's, it's compounded every single month. So what are you doing? You got to get out of those credit cards. If you have a mortgage, uh, your home right now, the value of your home is probably up around 20%. So you don't have to reset your whole mortgage. Just take what you have in those credit cards and, and get a consolidation loan and, uh, and, and get those credit card interest rates down to 4 or 5% as opposed to 20%. Save yourself a ton of money. It's American Financing, 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. So, Bill, I got a couple of things I just want to run through with you uh, just to get your take on it. First of all, um, Biden is now talking about, you know, ethanol and, you know, upping ethanol, which will send corn prices through the roof um, and affect us in in all kinds of things. Um, Are people I mean, I just saw a poll. People are starting to believe this is Putin's fault. No, I doubt it. Uh, I think that uh, Biden uh, derided himself and his administration by having the Putin price rise. Um, And the proof of that is the two polls that came out this week. After that was said, Quinnipiac and CNBC both have them down below 35 percent approval rating, which I've never seen before. And I think people know that this is totally Unbelievable. If you think that Putin caused inflation in this country, and I know it's Good Friday, I'm trying to be charitable today, you're an idiot. 
You're an idiot. Okay, you are a jester. A jester. You should wear a two-toned hat and go in and do somersaults. Okay, because that's so insane. Yet, Jen Psaki, I'll throw the Putin pride rise. Oh, no. yes. And then blaming it on uh, Governor Abbott also because he's checking trucks at the border and he's slowing things down. I wouldn't do that, by the way. I think, Abbott, that's going to hurt uh, you and everybody else in Texas, because that is going to raise immediately uh, the cost of fruits and vegetables coming in. Now, I know why he's doing it. He's trying to embarrass the Biden administration because there's a record amount of drugs, narcotics coming across the border. And obviously, Biden wants, for some insane reason, unfettered foreign national yeah. access to this country yeah well it is uh it is actually better for us here the fentanyl uh problem in texas is just outrageous i have two minutes i want to hit a couple of other things your thoughts on china and shanghai the lockdown <sighs> Well, I think people have to understand that in these governments, whether it's Russia, whether it's China, Cuba, North Korea, that life is doesn't matter. So if you have COVID and you live in Shanghai, 24 million people in that area, uh, you're going to go to a concentration camp. It's unbelievable. That's where you're going. Okay, so if you don't get it now, and here's, uh, here's another factoid your audience will like. I don't know if you will, but your audience will. Uh, who makes $5 billion a year from Shanghai? <clears throat> uh, Disney, Disneyland, Shanghai, hello, Well, Disney. you know, it's, a, it's, it's so apparent because you go on and you see the videos that have been, you know, made it past all of the great walls of China. And you see what's happening in Shanghai. And then you realize no national news source is putting this out. No, no ABC, NBC, CBS, none of them are because no, they've no. all been bought and paid for by China. And here's the real scandal. Minnie Mouse got COVID. She's in a concentration camp. Is she really? Yeah, Minnie's yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a hook. Fantastic. Is that not a hook? That is. Did not do something yes. there? One more thing. Um, yeah. Ukraine. Now yeah. the CIA director, CIA director is saying uh, nuclear weapons are probably being considered by Putin. Are we, are we, is, is this, I mean, are we going to war, Bill? Uh, no. Okay. Not at this point. Good. It depends how insane Putin is, and really nobody knows that at this point. So you can't totally discount it. Mm-hmm. But what, what good does it do for the CIA chief to say that? I don't know. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, uh, his new book is coming out on May 3rd. It is Killing the Killers, the Secret War Against Terrorists. It's coming out from Bill O'Reilly. Bill, have a great and holy week. And weekend. You too, guys. God bless. Bye. The Glenn Back Program. We're going to talk about the craziness with Elon Musk coming up in uh, just a second. Um, the creature from Jekyll Island. You know what that is? If you uh, are somebody that knows about the Fed, you know that that is a classic book about the organization and how the Fed came together on Jekyll Island. Um, the Tuttle Twins have a book based on that called The Creature from Jekyll Island. And this is made, uh, you know, kind of almost in a cartoon form so your kids can understand it. This is one of the most important books you can read today with your family. And I asked the Tuttle Twins people, could you make this one free? This is one in a series, but just get this one for free. All you pay for is shipping. Uh, It explains the Fed. It explains inflation, how our money works, why the Fed is so freaking evil. Um... (laughs) 
please get it now. Just go to TuttleTwinsBeck.com. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Do it now. Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. It is free. While supplies last, just pay for the shipping. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. Head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn to save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Boy, I tell you, the left is exposing themselves unlike I would ever have thought possible. Their arrogance is out of control. We have Michael Malice joining us now. Uh, hi, Michael. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. Uh, I want to talk to you about what's happening to Elon Musk. So he goes out, he buys just under 10% of Twitter. Uh, He starts talking about, hey, you know, we can we can free people up. Let's stop censoring people. The media goes crazy about some billionaire that just wants to change the world. Hello, George Soros. Uh, Just wants to go ahead. Jeff Bezos or or Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Um, And he's a danger to free speech. That's what they're actually saying. He's a danger to free speech. So yesterday we find out this is from Charles Gasparino as Elon Musk offers to buy the rest of Twitter. A legal source tells Fox Business that the SEC and the Justice Department have now launched what is described as a joint investigation into a myriad of Musk regulatory issues, primarily involving Tesla. He is also um, uh, now not the largest shareholder because yesterday Vanguard, which is the second in line uh, for the top of the heap for the Great Reset, Vanguard came in and bought up a ton of shares. I mean, what is happening? Oh, and one other thing, uh, the the people in t- in uh, Twitter have decided to sue him uh, for violations of uh you know, not really not revealing fast enough that he was buying these shares. They are I mean, terrified. They should be terrified. You know, I've said several times that Trump, they thought that Trump was the river, but he was the dam. What you're seeing is without President Trump in the White House, the consequences of the benefits of President Trump, which is an understanding of the enemy class and mm-hmm. an acknowledgement that people have to go on offense. And sometimes just going on offense simply means disrespect and invading spaces that they have regarded and decreed as sacred. This started back, uh, I can give you an example. Um, When Jack Posobiec and Laura Loomer invaded the stage in New York, people don't even remember this anymore. I think it was Citibank was sponsoring a Julius Caesar play in Central Park, New York City Central Park, where every night President Trump was ritualistically murdered on stage. Right. And when Posobiec and Laura Loomer uh, crashed the stage in front of the audience, this was regarded as heresy and like, how could you do this? How could you interfere with our play where we're murdering the president in Central Park? You people are monsters. So it's really a wonderful thing when spaces that they said this is our house we got rid of president trump from here we got rid of this person that person we silenced the babylon b uh you know now they're not feeling safe in their space they're in retreat and they don't know what to do themselves because for a century the republican party has played defense 
this and Elon Musk is no Republican. For the first time, people are playing offense and they're losing their minds because losing that's minds. not the how the game is supposed Correct. to go. Correct. So what is what do you think? Uh, how does this end for Elon Musk and for Twitter? I mean, basically, their their idea, the slogan of the Great Reset set should be. If I can't have you, no one will. Um, and and that's what they're trying to teach Elon. You are not stepping out of that box. We we have the financial resources to cripple you. And if that doesn't work uh, and shame in the public square doesn't work, well, then we have the government as well. Yeah, I, I, I've, all, I've said several times, and I'm sure you agree, Glenn, it's often or almost always preferable when authoritarian regimes have to show their hand. Yes. It's much more expensive for them in every way, uh, especially because moderates who you know don't really have a stake in the game and don't care one way or another, people just apathetic when they see the heavy hand of government uh, going down and, and they see things like this happening, it's going to alienate them be like, wait a minute, these are not nice people. These are nasty, aggressive people. We, people, we also saw it a couple months ago when overnight Joe Rogan went from a nasty purveyor of misinformation to a racist. It was an overnight thing. Yeah. And they tried to destroy him that way and it didn't work. And everyone forgot that it didn't work. Uh, they tried to get rid of Joe and they had nothing to show for it. So Elon Musk is a very, very bright man. He's a tight cookie. Uh, tough cookie, excuse me. Uh, I'm sure he's had to deal with regulatory nonsense before. I'm sure a lot of people in Washington also quietly have his back. So this is going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. And Elon's not alone. There's lots of people in his circles or maybe you know two or three degrees removed, people like Peter Thiel, yeah. who know the nature of the game, people in for San, former San Francisco, people who are now in Austin, who are realizing this is what we're up against and this is how we're going to play. And I, I got to tell you, if you're the guy who thinks he's, you're going to put people on Mars, when you play, you play to win. You're not some dilettante. Uh, all right. Let me let me switch topics. Let me go to your neighborhood in New York where you used to live and uh, what happened in your former neighborhood. Yeah, it's it's been a rough couple of months to get personal, Glenn, because first of all, the city where I was born, Lvov in Ukraine, was being hit by missiles. Then the apartment where I lived in New York for 16 years, I was half a block away from that train station, uh, got shot up. And then the next train stop just yesterday or two days ago, or rather, a kid was shot in the street. Uh, I've made this point, you know, it was a very hard for me to leave New York. I've lived there all my life. I still don't know how to drive. I moved to Austin over the past summer, as many of your listeners know. Um, I don't think people realize just how bad these cities are going to get. And if anyone, because there's no mechanism of turning them around. So if anyone out there, and it's what else is interesting is once you leave these places, you know, I moved to the nation of Texas, looking at this footage, it feels like I'm looking at another country because that was not the New York I knew. Like obviously 9 oh, yeah. 11 happened, things like that. But in the sense of, you know, just, just, just this carnage and knowing no one to do. And I point out the police were pretty much helpless to even catch him. It had to be some random kid on the street. And also he turned himself in. And the, the other thing that's disturbing, which I, I wonder if you've touched on elsewhere, is every outlet at first mentioned his race, and then they edited it to remove it, including the New York Post, which is largely right of center. I, I have no understanding of why this is. Wait, 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 they edited after it ran? Yes, yes. I thought I was hallucinating, and someone saw, showed me the cached footage. The New York Post originally had the identification, which everyone else had, 5'5", five, five, black male, 170 pounds, and then they changed it to 5'5", five, five, male. 
I have the clips. That is insane. Insane. Yes. Yeah, this and, is a manhunt for someone who shot up a tr- subway station, and thankfully no one got killed. Yeah, the, the New York Times, one of the stories I read, did not identify him as African-American, but just identified his writings and videos from the web as bigoted against blacks. That was it. Yeah. It was just bigoted against blacks, and especially black women. So no no mention of all the you know black nationalist supremacist type of stuff he had all over the place. None of that, and then didn't even identify him as black. So, I mean, if you're reading that, you're thinking for sure this is some white supremacist who's just bigoted against black people. They never they they just intentionally I kept that you, out. Do you remember um, when uh, Riaz Patel came uh, by and the first time mm. when we started to get to know him, he was a guy who was on the left. He was from Hollywood and we sat down with him uh, and because he was trying to understand what was going on. And he re- he started to. The world started to crack open for him because he was like, wait a minute, the, wait, what happened? And we sat down and I just put a chalkboard together and I said, do you know this story? No, that didn't happen. Yes, it did. Here's here's the story. This, this, this. We gave him like 20 different yeah. stories. He had never heard of them. I mean, you are just in the dark. If you're if you read The New York Times and watch CNN, you are the least informed human alive. But it's also disturbing to me how this has become pervasive across media. And in fact, there's several news outlets, I think, including the Associated Press, where the explicit policy is we are not going to report on the race of a suspect if it's going to have people reach racist conclusions. And my concern is this is a manhunt. So I, I, if people reach racist conclusions, that's one thing. But we need to find this person who was on the loose, who had bombs at the time. And you know what? They, the FBI had this guy. They interviewed him 19 different times. Uh, but, you know, they were too busy. I, 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 I don't know, going woke and looking for white uh, extremists. You know, what do you say? We just look for extremists let, let, let's look for people that are threatening to kill people online uh threatening to kill people in their neighborhoods let's look for those people i don't give a flying crap what their race is you know youtube all of his videos were up all of them can you imagine michael if you would have said anything like that you would have been gone immediately and erased from public record well, I'm an anarchist, so I've said some pretty bad things. But in, in, all, in all seriousness, how about uh, we just enforce the Second Amendment? Because if there was several honest citizens on that subway station who were, were packing heat, uh, things would have ended up very, very differently. That subway station, obviously, I'm very familiar with it. I've taken it every day for 15 years. There's only one exit, and it's a major hub. There's four train lines that go through there. So this could have been much, much worse, even from the smoke alone. I will tell you, it is phenomenal it is a miracle that this guy goes in and shoots what 35 times and no one is killed i mean michael you've been on that subway i've been there yeah i mean that's i mean that's almost impossible to do well and just you with the smoke inhalation i mean he had several bombs and you know the gum jam and so on and so forth yeah it's a very very lucky thing and we're very fortunate and it's also we're very fortunate that he didn't leave the subway and just start shooting somewhere else i mean there's the number of stations out there is is just dozens so this is also very disturbing in terms of other types of terrorism uh because this he showed very clearly how easy it would be to do something like this and uh, god help us if someone else gets the same idea 
Thank you so much. Uh, do you celebrate Passover? Are you religious uh, at all or believe I, in God? I, 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 I'm, I do, I'm not religious at all. I'm not an atheist, though. Okay. Are you an agnostic or? No, I'm not a coward. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. Take care, guys. Have Bye-bye. a great weekend. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, my pillow. Some people like to go home at night and, you know, do some Netflix and chill. Me, I like to go home, lie down and go to sleep uh, uh, and, and go to sleep and not toss and turn for an hour before you sleep right now. You can have the best sleep kit of of all time. It starts with my pillow. You take this pillow and you punch it through with your fist on each side and it fluffs and it it's I don't know how, but it remains fluffy forever. Is that a scientific term? Mm-hmm. Fluffy? Yes. Or is it just a dog's name of a really rich lady who carries the dog in her purse? Not sure. Anyway, also the Giza Dream Sheets. These things are the softest ever, and right now they're coming in as low as $39.99. The Dream Sheets are 60% off. They're the best. Use the promo code BECK. The the phone number is 800-966-3117, 800-966-3117. Or you can just go to the website, MyPillow.com. Make sure you enter the promo code BECK for the savings. Promo code BECK, MyPillow.com. The Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck program. I am just, I have to tell you, Elon Musk uh, is the billionaire we would all want to be, right? I mean, 100%. This is how I would do it. This is exactly how I would do it. I might have different causes and things, you know, like I go to Mars probably for the same reason, not global warming, but his main reason on why he's doing it so quickly is if Homo sapiens if it's important to preserve Homo sapiens, get them off this planet by the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. I believe that too. Uh, and but the idea that he's just like, yeah, we're going to Mars. Well, you gotta call NASA. No, I'm just gonna build a spaceship. Yeah, he just does what he wants. He does what he wants. And uh, you know, yesterday Vanguard disclosed that it owns now eighty-two point four million shares of Twitter, or ten point three. So there, he's no longer. The uh, the main uh, the the uh, the, well, the biggest shareholder. And we don't know that. Remember, the nine the nine percent number is from a disclosure that's old. So like we may have 15, 20 percent. We of don't it by now. We don't know. So he made the offer to buy Twitter outright yesterday, saying that it needed to be transformed into a private business to thrive again. Uh, and so he said, I'll buy it for 40 billion dollars. The Twitter shareholder, Saudi uh, Prince uh, Alawid, who is. Oh, a nightmare uh, rejected Musk's bid. And he says, no, we're not going to I'm not going to sell during a TED talk earlier yesterday. Musk said Musk was asked, what would happen if the board doesn't accept? Uh, and you said you're not going to go any higher. Is there a plan B? Musk just smiled and said, yes, there is. I can't wait. Hopefully it involves launching the Twitter board <laughs> into space. And by the way, Twitter should just, I mean, I know this isn't like the main consideration, 
But Twitter should just accept this offer. It's way above what they're worth. Oh, but it, it, they, they, they should just take it. It's the it, best thing for their shareholders. They don't have any idea how to get money out of that company. And it's been a complete with all of the free advertising. There has never been a product in American history that has received more free advertising than Twitter. Every news broadcast, every celebrity, everybody's on it all the time. Everybody's putting it in mainstream media all the time. And yet these guys barely trickle out cash out of that company. Not only would Elon Musk go in and make it better for free speech, which is what everyone is talking about, but he'd also make the company, he would he would create so much money out of the foundation of that company. They don't care. This is about, Doesn't this seem is, like it. again, I go back to the Great Reset. I think the slogan should be, if I can't have it, no one will. Mm. They, they don't care. This is not about anything other than controlling the narrative it's true and, and you know twitter has outsized impact on our politics for you know no Big as time. we've mentioned many times nobody uses this nobody uses twitter nobody uses it for politics i mean the people that we talk about on twitter who are constantly tweeting uh, uh, about politics is like one tenth of one percent right. of the population it's right. almost no one these other uh social media companies are much bigger and are much well, more widely used but th this is what the twitter board said one of the people remaining anonymous said yesterday uh, this this is the thing that uh, journalists use yeah. to get stories, yeah. and they don't want to be working for a Musk company. And they don't want to be working like calling sources. They just yeah. want to search Twitter, yeah. and that's how they do all their work now. That's Great. why they like it. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So every day I get up, you know, I run eight miles. Okay, that's not true. Actually, I run 10 miles, but I don't count the first two because Warm I'm running with a jump rope. So oh, oh. anyway, then I lift uh, weights for about an hour and a half. And uh, boy, I work up a powerful sweat. That's why athletes like me use sweat block. <laughs> also, I hear it's good for big, fat, sweaty people okay. <laughs> and teenagers. If you have a problem with sweat, uh, this is the best deodorant antiperspirant I've ever used. This is really good. Sweatblock, you can find it on Amazon, or you can save 20% on Sweatblock with the promo code BECK. By the way, if you, if you really have a problem, these are wipes that you put under each arm uh, at night. You go to bed, you get up, take a shower, and you don't have to put any antiperspirant on or anything 15%. for seven days. Strong? Yes, yes, strong enough for a man, but I like it too. Sweatblock, available at Amazon or sweatblock.com, promo code BECK, save 
Hello, America. Welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Good Friday, the beginning of Passover and Easter weekend. We've been doing a, uh, a series on America's God all week. We're going to finish it up here in the next couple of minutes, and I, I really want to just focus on one thing, the turnaround of the Civil War, a proclamation by Abraham Lincoln that went through the Senate. And not only can I, can I tell you that this would never go through the Senate now, I can tell you with 100% assurity it wouldn't because I've asked the Senate to pass this procl- proclamation. They wouldn't even submit it. I'll give it to you in 60 seconds. So if you're going to put forth the effort to take care of your skin and look younger, you might as well use the best stuff, right? And if it's on sale, even better. Well, that's exactly what's going on right now with GenuCell's new Ultra Retinol Cream. It's the best skincare technology. It hydrates your skin at a cellular level and builds on top of uh, the deep moisture with incredible anti-wrinkle effects. And it sounds, you know, it might be, you might be thinking, eh, it sounds uh, great. I don't know if I buy all these claims, though. Well, here's the thing. You can get your money back if you're not completely satisfied. Um, and uh, they're not going to disappoint you. We're talking about 50% off right now at GenuCell.com slash Beck. 50% off the brand new Ultra Retinol Cream. If you go to GenuCell.com slash Beck for up to 50% off the brand new cream, you'll also get GenuCell's immediate effects for results in 12 hours or less. Free with your order. Go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. They have the free express shipping going on free returns, great customer service, and a 100% money-back satisfaction guarantee. Go to GenuCell.com slash Beck. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Beck. So halfway through the Civil War, we were losing badly. And Abraham Lincoln had a great awakening in himself. And a proclamation was passed by the U.S. Senate. I want to read it to you and tell me it doesn't fit our situation today. A proclamation by His Excellency Abraham Lincoln, President of the United States, for a day of humiliation, fasting, and prayer. Whereas the Senate of the United States, devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all of the affairs of men and nations, has, by resolution, requested the president to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations, as well as of men, to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and their transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy, and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truths announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in our deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. 
intoxicated now with unbroken success. We have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Abraham Lincoln. I ask the Senate to pass that resolution just, what, two months into COVID. They wouldn't do it. Today, words like humiliation and repentance are completely misunderstood. For some, they're associated with shame, guilt, fire, brimstone. And for others, it's just a get-out-of-jail-free card on your way back to doing whatever it is you want at the strip club. But it is neither one of those things. In Hebrew, the word for repentance is teshuva, which literally means to turn. It's about changing what you do, just as much as it is about the condition of your heart. When we repent, we turn around and start over in the other direction, the right direction. And that's not easy. I mean, it takes incredible faith to humble yourself and turn and start walking in a different direction. It's not easy, but it's possible. At the beginning of the series, I started it by talking about what was happening in France at the revolution. But now let me take you to the other example where it went wrong, where people said God is dead and filled that void with something else. And it was Nazi Germany. No matter what you read or what you hear, the left has distorted the Nazis. Hitler was not a Christian. But he knew he couldn't take out the Christian church head on. So what did he do? They infiltrated from the inside, eroding its values and its relevance from within. Over an afternoon lunch in his headquarters in 1942, Hitler said, and I quote, I do not care in the slightest about the articles of faith. The organized lie has to be broken in such a way the state becomes the master. You can't rush things. It has to rot away like a gangrenous uh, limb. We need, to, we need to get to the point where only idiots stand behind the pulpits and only old women sit in front of it and the healthy youth are with us. End quote. Hitler expected Christianity to slowly suffocate and die under the duress of the state and in its own inaction and irrelevance. But in the meantime, he would use that institution to spread his propaganda. It took him about six months before they took the picture of Jesus off of the altars in Germany and replaced the savior with the new savior, Hitler. Unfortunately, they spread it, mostly thanks to the movement called the German Christians. Under the influence of the German Christians, the church went to work right away to rinse that Jew right out of Jesus' hair. Spread the good news of Hitler. German pastor Hermann Grunner preached, Hitler is the way of the spirit and the will of God for the German people to enter the church of Christ. 
What's truly shocking is that the German Christians were at work in the church before Hitler took power. They were priming the congregations by slowly shifting the focus away from God and the Bible and creating a new Aryan God. German Christians insisted that loyalty to the Nazi agenda was at its core Christian and a matter of faith. Hard to imagine that everyone behind the pulpit or sitting in the pews agreed with this, but so many said nothing. Miraculously, some did finally break their silence. It was Martin Niemöller. He sat back, actually, as Hitler installed his dictatorship. He didn't intervene until the German Christians started to Aryanize the Bible and purge the Bible of all Jewish elements, including the entire Old Testament. See if this sounds familiar. They were reimagining the Bible. They were reimagining Jesus. He became a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, anti-Semitic Aryan. This is when Niemöller had enough. He helped organize a movement called the Confessing Church, which challenged the German Christians and insisted that Nazism not make demands of the church itself. Although Niemöller was primarily focused on Nazi intrusion into the church, other prominent leaders of the movement called for the followers to challenge Nazism on every front. One of those guys was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was the guy who diagnosed the German church and said they suffered from a theology of cheap grace. They wanted redemption, but not really repentance. They wanted to live in any way they wanted and wear the covering of God like a cheap rain poncho. Then the Third Reich collapsed and the gods of the copybook headings returned. And the church had no idea how to pick up the pieces. The rest of the story in a minute. Joy wrote in about her experience with Relief Factor. She says, Relief Factor is absolutely wonderful. I'm able to sleep through the night pain-free. It's everything, Glenn, you say it is. I've had severe neuropathy for several years, as well as a hip that was broken. I feel like a new woman now. I enjoy the freedom from the pain. Thank you. And thanks also to my son, who finally talked me into getting it. All right, if you really want relief, if you've tried everything else, will you just try this for three weeks? 1995, it'll give you, it's a dollar a day. It will give you uh, three pills a day, or actually, I think it's 12 pills a day. Um, and you just take one packet, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm telling you, it worked for me. And about 70% of the people who try this trial pack for three weeks go on to order more month after month. So just try it. 800 4 relief 800 the number 4 relief 1995 relieffactor.com make sure you call them or go to the website 1 800 the number 4 relief relieffactor.com feel the difference 10 seconds station id reconstruction quickly turned punitive towards Germany. Life for the Germans under Hitler was hell, but the hell continued after his failure. The German people had been the victims of unprecedented psychological capture. 
And for those who woke up, they were not only left with the collapse of their nation, but they were shouldering the most unbearable guilt. The international church leaders had a decision to make. Would they ostracize the Germans as their political counterparts had? Should the people of God handle these obscene circumstances the same way or differently? The church, like every German, needed a new start. So the believers did the only thing they knew would work. After the Third Reich collapsed, the gathering of Christians took place October 19, 1941 in Stuttgart, Germany. At the gathering, Bonhoeffer was praised for his unwavering faith. He wasn't there. He had just months before been executed in a concentration camp. Pastor Niemöller preached that the Nazis alone were not to blame, but the church itself, not because they were Christian, but because they had abandoned their Christianity. Would the Nazis have been able to do what they had done if church members had truly been faithful Christians? From this event sprang forth the Stuttgart Declaration of Guilt on behalf of the church. And here's what it said. With great pain, we say, by us, infinite wrong was brought over many peoples and countries. We did fight for long years in the name of Jesus Christ against the mentality that found its awful expression in the national socialist regime of violence. But... We accuse ourselves for not standing to our beliefs more courageously, for not praying more faithfully, for not believing more joyously, and for not loving more ardently. Following the collapse of Hitler's regime, the faithful Germans professed that they had failed as a body of believers. Their failure, their failure was, was extraordinary. But not so much, because this happens time and time again. We all fail on extreme levels more than we care to face. But what was extraordinary was their ability to look at their failure in the face and choose to change. They just did it too late. The Christians of Germany were called to repent on their knees, and miraculously, some answered that call. Here's why... I wanted to end this series with this. Right now, we have bastardized our faiths. Our faiths are silent. Some have been infiltrated by wokeness. As we told you yesterday, wokeness is a cult. It is a religious movement to a false god. A God that puts you at the center of the universe, but the universe is meaningless. Your truth, not the truth, your truth, but that truth is worth nothing. Are we going to go down in history as a group of people that failed to see the answers, even though it was staring them in the face? Are we really prepared to write our declaration of guilt in the future? We should start preparing for it now. People of God, do you want to have to apologize for watching evil rise in our nations all across the world and say nothing? Religious leaders, 
Can you continue to be silent as God and goodness is attacked from all angles? Is your job really? Is that really what you worship? Or will you do the things that Niemöller did or the things that Bonhoeffer did? America, have we hit rock bottom yet? Please tell me we have. I'm an alcoholic and my mother, my mother committed suicide. She was also an alcoholic, addicted to prescription drugs as well. Her bottom was death. And you can't stop anybody from, I mean, if you're suicidal and that's your bottom and you're hooked on drugs or whatever, and that's your bottom, nobody can stop you. But I hope our bottom is not that. Are we there yet? Because this isn't working, and everybody knows what we're doing right now is not working. Conservatives are supposed to conserve the best ideas from the past. Not all of it, just the best parts. Have we done that? If we continue on this path of least resistance, of non-action, I shudder to think what our letter of apology will sound like. I wrote one. Just to have it handy. I apologize for standing by why millions of unborn babies are slaughtered. I said nothing when activists tried to resegregate our nation. I even helped sometimes. Israel was slandered and attacked and I ignored it. I didn't protest when my church was shut down, but the liquor store was allowed to open. I was apathetic to the government trampling on my congregation's rights. I couldn't really be bothered to comment as young people permanently mutilated themselves after being told that they were born in the wrong body. I outwardly participated in every destructive social movement to protect myself. I leaned on my own understanding. I acted in my own self-interest. I did what everybody else was doing. I didn't have the faith to resist. I lacked the spiritual, spiritual countenance. And because of my inaction, the body of God became crippled. The people lived without love and died without hope. I was not part of the Calvary when it finally came. I apologize and may God forgive me. I don't want to ever, ever have to say those words and mean them maybe you should write yours today and then do what abraham lincoln said become humble know who the real power comes from repent because that's what easter is all about this is the most holy holiday of all holidays for christians it's not christmas Great, the baby was born. Prophecy fulfilled. That's great. But what he did 33 years later, in giving us the opportunity to begin again, but we as an individual, we as a country, cannot begin again unless we are humbled and have hit our bottom and say, I surrender. My way has not been the right way. 
I tell you now, the kingdom of God is at hand. In the end, we all have the right, the privilege, and the responsibility to choose our own path. There's not going to be a single person left on the sidelines. As Bonhoeffer said back then, not to speak is to speak. Not to choose is to choose. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. More in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. The movement to start a parallel economy has already begun in many ways. More and more as time goes on, you have the option to do business with companies that believe in what you believe and leave the competitors in the proverbial dust. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider, and they offer the same network coverage as the major carrier. So you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that comes with knowing that your money is supporting things like free speech. Life, liberty, all of the things that God has given to each one of us. If the government doesn't protect it, well, then we have to. And we need allies. And Patriot Mobile is that ally. They have plans to fit any budget. 100% U.S.-based customer support team. Amazing service. They share the same values and the same cell towers. So you get the same great coverage. Switch today. 972-PATRIOT, 972-PATRIOT, or patriotmobile.com slash Beck. Get free activation with the offer code Beck. Let's support the companies that are supporting us. Patriotmobile.com slash Beck. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn to get access to everything on Blaze TV. The promo code is Glenn. David Barton joins us now from Wall Builders. He obviously didn't get the memo that it's Hawaiian Shirt Day here in the studio, but welcome, David. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> um, I want to talk to you a little bit here on Good Friday and Easter weekend. We've been—I don't know if you've—if you've heard the segments all week, mm-hmm. um, but we started looking at America's God. Uh, we're not—it's not that we don't have enough religion. We have more than enough religion it's just a false god it's mm-hmm. wokeness um and uh we've got a we got to change that the big problem here on uh, a great awakening is our churches are asleep do great awakenings happen when are they led by the church or are they led by the people it's interesting. They're led by individuals usually, and the church is usually the, the one who opposes the most. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and so, like, you take a George Woodfield. I mean, he is a minister, but he preached outside primarily first because nobody let him inside. And so he needed to preach outside later because he had 10, 20,000 in a crowd, so really? he needed something. But he, it, at the first, man, they hated him and they opposed him, and the same with Charles Finney in the Second Great Awakening, the same with Lorenzo Dow and Charles Clay and all and these other And these awakenings names. are always the first one led to the American Revolution. 
uh, yeah, it led to it, and it's really kind of interesting. It gave what it really did was it gave people backbone, and they started standing for what was right. And then the other side responded and came after them. Right. And so it's not like they started anything. They just finally got some courage and, and had some convictions and stood for it. Because I think most people, and that's the problem I think with most churches, is I do not want a church to tell me who to vote for. I do want uh, information. I do want my church to say, look, here's what the scriptures say, which leads you to this value. How do you apply that value mm-hmm. across the board? Is this person, and you don't even have to get into the people's names, are these people following these values? Yeah, you really want the church, as you're saying right there, to help you think through things, to really give you a thinking process. Now, I'm going I'm to say I don't have any problem at all if the church wants to tell me who to vote for. And I do that from a constitutional standpoint because I don't want a church thinking it has less rights than the union yeah, has. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying uh, as my personal view is – you know, I, I just, gosh, I just don't want everything to be political. However, yeah. I do want them to do, and I'm, I want they, clarity. I want clarity and boldness from right. Them. They and, they right. preached about abortion. Yeah. They preached about. Um, I mean, most of the stuff that is in our constitution is directly from scripture mm-hmm. or directly from preachers that had made that concept popular because it is in the Bible. Well, if you take the Declaration of Independence, historians have documented that every single right set forth in the Declaration of Independence had been preached from the American pulpit by 1763. So 15 years before the Declaration, every right in the Declaration had already been covered in the pulpit. And that's why John Adams says, our pulpits have thundered. And he, he listed a bunch of preachers by name who were very specific on that. But you take any right in the Declaration, it was already seen as a biblical right. So is this why we feel like the like our churches are so empty? Oh, they are empty. Uh, it's interesting. If, if you take, And I'm speaking as a Christian. We know lots of other faiths. Great. Uh, speaking as a Christian in 19 or in the year 2000, 85 percent of Americans profess to be Christians. That's their self-identification. Last year it was 65 percent. So it's a 20 percent drop in 20 wow. years. And when you poll the people who left the church and say, why did you leave? Two out of three said, because it has no relevancy. I get nothing that I can live with on a daily basis. Uh, And I I totally agree with that. I mean, when I look back at what the the pastors did in those days, and I brought in a bunch of stuff out out of the collection. And and these These are all sermons. These are all sermons. Okay. And these are all sermons. And by the way, these are all sermons that were preached in times of what we would call revival, the first or the second great awakening. Okay. And what you'll find is what they connected the dots on was relevancy. And you can just almost not find a single subject that they didn't cover from the pulpit, even if it was super controversial. Yeah. And, and so, you know, if I just, I'll try to read through some of these. So uh, here's a history sermon, which I think is cool. This is a sermon about pilgrims and what the pilgrims contributed. Mm-hmm. We haven't had that. We need that since we got 1619. Uh, here's a sermon by Charles Chauncey, who's one of John Adams' favorite preachers, about the Boston Massacre. So this is in the news, and this is preached just a, a couple of weeks afterwards. Uh, this is called a century sermon. This is looking at the last history, what's happened in the country in the last century. So we were big into history, so this is the last century. Uh, this is a sermon on the moral view of railroads. 
So the moral view, moral of, view of railroads. railroads. <laughs> yeah, because what what he did is okay. What are the biblical principles of transportation in the Bible? Let's see what the Bible says about transportation. Well, here's the new technology. How does it fit with the principles? So he goes into principles wow. of transportation and then says, "Was it technology. for or against railroads?" <laughs> <laughs> Actually, he saw very positive things that could okay, come from good, railroads. Yeah. Here's one on science: snow and vapor, which is a Bible verse out of Job. Uh, here's one on the uh, murderous bloodshed. At Lexington, this is the a sermon that was preached three years after Lexington Concord. Mm. So they're covering news stories. Here's a sermon on the opening of the Great Bridge over the Connecticut River. So here you've got architecture. Um, here is a sermon on the infirmities and comforts of old age. Now mm. everybody's got to deal with growing old, but I haven't heard a sermon on that. What, what, what do you do and where are you headed? Here's a sermon on the policy and the injustice of the slave trade and the slavery of the Africans. So we're right in the middle of cultural issues at that point in time. Uh, here's a sermon on the relation of the medical profession to the ministry, all the health care codes of the Bible. And there's a bunch of them. Uh, I mean, uh, that's why the Jews were always blamed when disease broke out. They didn't get sick. They didn't get that's sick right. because they followed the that's health right. codes of the Bible. There's a great book that came out way back in 1961 by Dr. S.I. McMillan. And he said, you know, when God gave all these health codes in the Bible, he said at the time the Egyptians and the Assyrians and the Babylonians all said, look how backward these people are. Look at their health codes. And God at the time in Exodus fifteen twenty six, after he gave the health codes, he said, if you'll do the things that I've told you here, I'll put on you none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians. In other words, you'll have a whole different health system than what everybody else has. And that's what they, that's what they stuck with. And so that's the kind of sermons we had was here's the Bible and health. And I haven't ever heard anything on that in mm. my lifetime. Uh, here's a sermon, Dr. Uh, Jonathan Mayhew. He's one of John Adams' favorite preachers, and it's the Great Fire in Boston. Anything that was in the news, they covered from the pulpit. Always mm. gave a perspective on it. Um, here's uh, a sermon on the execution of Henry Blackburn for the murder of George Wilkinson. So a guy being executed. Let's see what that's whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Here's a sermon on the death of General Lafayette. So if a famous person died, we looked at that. Uh, here is a sermon. Uh, let's see. Here is a sermon on the Christian patriot, so responsibilities of government. And here's a sermon on the Christian use of property. Here's a sermon on the divine right of the American government. Uh, here's one on the Atlant transatlantic telegraph, so a sermon wow. on the lane of the transatlantic telegraph. Here's a sermon on the Civil War as seen from the pulpit. Uh, here's one on immigration and the modern immigrant. Here's Can you imagine going to, to, going to uh, church? And hearing a sermon on AI, yeah, you know, uh, on the ethical use of AI or quantum computing or the internet that just didn't end in porn, you know what I mean? Like the railroad and things, and the bridge, and, and all the all bridge, these, yeah. all of these things. Mm -hmm. We are not, and I think this this is my biggest problem with with faith right now. Going to churches is. They're not – we have, in my lifetime, I have never seen a time where there are more unanswered, even unquestioned mm -hmm. moral um, uh, quandaries. We are, we are on the precipice of – we don't even know how to define life, and yeah. we're about to reinvent life. Yeah. You know, we don't know the basic – defense or stance on really huge questions mm -hmm. i've never seen this before in my life
that's the way churches will become well, relevant again. It's it's where we are at this point in the country because there's 384,000 churches and senior pastors in America. And people like George Barna polling 500 today, what we find is that 72% do not even agree with the scriptures. They, they don't even think the scriptures are valid or have any influence. So How many? 72%. So what that leaves you is 107,000 pastors that say we believe the scriptures and we believe that it's relevant. So with 107,000 pastors, that's 28%, polling done with 500 a day to say, okay, do you think the Bible addresses all issues that happen around you? And depending, and we gave 14 issues, and depending on what the issue was, between, between 91 and 97% of those pastors said, yes, the Bible does address those issues. And then we said, okay, have you addressed that issue from the pulpit, or do you have any plans to address that issue? And 90% said, absolutely not. Those are political things. We don't cover that from the pulpit. But wait a minute. You, you just told me that was in the Scriptures, and you're not going to say what the Scriptures say. So what we find is only 2.8% of pastors a day do anything related to relevancy, applying the Scriptures to what's going on in the culture. Uh, these guys, by and large, have talked themselves into a position of silence, and the result is that you see people now with their faith is completely co- compartmentalized. Here's yeah. my faith on Sunday, right. but here's not my faith on Wednesday or Tuesday or yep. Thursday afternoon yep. or anything else. Yep. And so the faith is no longer relevant. You don't get this kind of relevancy anymore that we had. So, David, give me just two minutes on the impact of of just people who uh, probably have never voted before or one church getting together and saying, I want it, the school board, we're going to stand up. Can you give? I can give you a lot more than one, but I'll just take you real quickly to Yonkin's race in Virginia. 312 churches got together last January and said, look, we, we need to have a difference. North, what Northam did, he just passed a bill that says if you try to abort a child and you don't do it and it lives, it's okay to kill it after it's born. And they gave a standing ovation for that measure, and that's just a wicked measure. I mean, that's just bad. And so 312 churches, most of them rural churches, got together and said, mm, this is not good. Let, we got an election coming. November. And so back in January, they started looking and they said, okay, let's find people who sit in our pews in our churches. And again, these weren't large churches. And let's find people who have never voted for, who haven't even registered to vote. And let's get them registered and have them vote for the first time. And they did. And they had 77,000 people out of those 312 churches who had never before voted, who voted for, wow. for Yonkin. Yonkin won by 66,000 votes. Wow. So right there, out of tens of thousands of churches in Virginia, 312 little churches did that. They didn't stop there. They said, by the way, they said, first, in First Timothy, we're told that an athlete is not crowned unless he runs according to the rules. So what are the rules? And they looked at elections, and 1,300 people from the churches got trained as election judges and election officials. Wow. They identified 5.2% of the votes cast as fraudulent. Now, you take out 5.2% of fraudulent votes, and there's the election again. I mean, there's just so many things they did. So I guess the the difference is I don't ever want to be a, a church where, and I think some churches have become this on the left, where the God is the government. Right. And and I guess that's why when I say I don't want to hear, uh, you know, I don't want to hear who to vote for, you know, politics. I guess I just don't want my church to preach that God is is the government that we have to have the right. government to do things the church should be a restraint on government and should be yeah. and should be a way to get the people in who understand bill of rights restrains the government more freedom for people whether they believe or not 
David Barton, uh, the founder of Wall Builders, uh, and you can follow him at wallbuilders.com or Twitter, David Barton WB. David, as always, thank you. Back in a second, uh, realestateagentsiknow.com is a place for you to go and get a uh, real estate agent that will do the best for you and your family when you're selling a house. Uh, or, sorry. Do you change the name of your company to I Real say? Estate Agents I Know? Is that a new company? Uh, no, is this a, have you have you released yet another real to I, compete compete with your original real estate agents I trust? You created real estate agents I know. I so want. I don't understand why would you do that? Hey, even if it was ten thousand dollars <laughs> for that domain name, just to say <laughs> yes. <laughs> Real estate agents, I trust.com. Oh. That is the place where you can go and you will get the um, you'll get a referral to the people we think are the best real estate agents in your area based on, you know, all different kinds of stats. And uh, quite honestly, a real do not put in. <laughs> I just saw Stu. Look at Sarah. You're going to don't do it. Sarah. No, you have to go to commercial when don't. you're done with this. So. I'm done with it. Really? And there you have it. Another example of why Glenn Beck is in the Radio Hall of Fame. <laughs> Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is really a time of choosing. That's what Ronald Reagan said in the 1960s. It's a time for choosing. And it is. Uh, it's a time to decide who you are, what you believe, and what you will stand up for. Not just against, but for is more important. Uh, back in uh, well, back in the olden days, when we all gathered on the lawn or the, um, the mall in Washington, D.C., at the steps of Abraham Lincoln, um, we talked to you about the Black Robe Regiment, and there is something going on now with uh, a lot of religious people. They are starting to wake up. I want you to know the National Black Robe Regiment dot com is up and uh, really has a whole bunch of information on it. You can also follow it on Facebook at National Black Robe Regiment on Facebook. They have things like COVID-19 uh, versus religious liberty and liberty. They also have um, uh, legal resources uh, there as well, as well as a lot of those sermons, if not all of those and more uh, up on the website that David was just talking about. Know your rights as a church, uh, the Liberty Council, pastor do's and don'ts. Uh, and it is a way for pastors and, you know, it's probably going to be a lot of pastors that, like in the old days were kicked out of their churches. Fine. Do it. Do it. Uh, because it is important now for people to stand up for the things they truly believe. If you believe that truths are self-evident, the ones that we have always had in this country and built this country on then it's time to stand up humbly peacefully but with the strength of truth coursing through your veins back in a minute the rest of the news of the day
This is the Glenn Beck Program. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. We have a ton to cover this hour. Just in the news of the day, we're going to get to it in 60 seconds. Stand by. It's Friday. When the enemy is at the gates, leaving the drawbridge down over the moat, kind of an incredibly bad idea. But believe it or not, that's kind of how a lot of us live when it comes to our personal information and online interactions. So much of who we are and what we have is wrapped up in your private information. You got to protect it. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft affects all of our lives. And every day, I know I do, you most likely do too, you put your information at risk on the internet. That's why LifeLock is here. They can't catch everything, because no one can, but they can monitor things better than you can on your own. And I think they're the best in the business. And here's the best part. If you do become a victim, they have an alert that they call you up immediately. Hey, are you opening this account? They stop it if they've if it's something that they've missed or others have missed. They have restoration specialists that can work with you to help fix the problem quickly. I want you to go to lifelock.com right now and get 25% off your first year with promo code BACK. 1-800-LIFELOCK. 1-800-LIFELOCK or lifelock.com. Promo code BACK. Save 25%. So, Stu, uh, yesterday, a judge in Washington, D.C. decided to release Ali and Teherazetta. Is that his name? Teherazetta. The two guys that were posing as DHS. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. They're DHS Uh, agents. They were living in an apartment where other secret like Secret Secret Service Service agents lived. Uh, Like like, uh, Jill Biden's Secret Service. Okay. And they would be befriended them. Yes. They gave them all sorts of gifts that would be strange to accept, I think, as a yes. Secret Service yes. agent. And, you know, they had all kinds of communication equipment. They had um, uh, encrypted hard drives. Mm-hmm. They had hard drive copiers. They had the manuals, the government manuals for Secret Service. Uh, they had the government manuals for the Department of Homeland Security. They had mm-hmm. uh, bulletproof vests. They had different markings that you put on that for different, you know, for FBI, DHS, Secret Service. Yeah, and all of this adds up to understandable suspicion until you understand that they said they just wanted to make friends. Right. And that explains the drone, the high, the high end drone right. that they had as well. Do you think drones are cool? I do. Uh, I do. And if I someone has a drone, I want to make friends amen. with them. Amen. You know. And you know, just because, just because their passports have the stamp of the uh, one city, the airport in Iran, where uh, the um, uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps has its. Um, <laughs> command post to train p 
people to go into foreign countries and assassinate people just because their passport had that stamp on it several times does not mean that that's who they are. It's a beautiful area, Glenn. I don't know if you've ever oh, visited. I've, it's oh, beautiful. no, I've got, a, I've got a vacation house there. Do you really? Yeah, overlooking the Quds Force. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's really a training nice. area. I know what hill you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, it's beautiful. Right? Yeah, it's really yeah, nice. Yeah, it was hard to get a place there. But yeah. I've got a, you know, I've got a, one of those Four Seasons timeshares oh, that are there. Wow. So if you ever need to use it, you oh, know, I you're going there just to, to say, Maybe. family hey, would love it. Yeah, Al Quds, yeah. you're great. Mm-hmm. Love you guys. Yeah. You can do that. So... It's open a lot. Really? Not a lot? Yeah. Of, it's not utilized? No, not. Uh, hmm. I never have a hard time getting my timeshare uh, there. Oh, never, well, that's good. Because yeah, sometimes they can get booked up quickly. And if you don't, yeah. you don't book in advance, but no problems yeah. there. So anyway, uh, the judge said, you can't, you can't prove any kind of foreign connection to these guys. Yeah, you got that on the passport. What? So what? What does that mean? You know, timeshares. Really, this is what happened. The um, uh, the defense attorneys argued the government was making a mountain out of a molehill. Uh, now, I just don't think of, I just don't think that. Uh, but they're out, uh, and uh, I'm sure they're not going to get on the plane and go right back to uh, to Iran. I'm sure that's not going to happen. Um, but uh, by the way, uh, Iran, of course, uh, has has warned us that because Donald Trump killed uh, Qasem Soleimani uh, and nine other people that quote, killing the president of the United States is not enough. So, but I wouldn't worry about these two guys. Again, they seem friendly. So they do. Everything should be fine. We don't seem to be taking this all that seriously. I feel like we should. You think, (laughs) you think, that if I don't you, know, you feel yeah, I, this as is, if we okay, should. I'm willing to go out on a limb on okay, this. Okay, I'll hear like, you out. Okay, but, thank you. Okay, you know what? That's all, all right, I ask. Yeah. Uh, if you happen to be the president of the United States, uh huh, and your wife has Secret Service, uh-huh. and those people have been infiltrated by two Iranians, uh huh, with all sorts of crazy military-style equipment and a, a passport stamp at an airport frequented <laughs> by the Iranian uh, Al-Quds. Al-Quds forces. Yeah. Uh-huh. I believe <laughs> that is something that you should well, consider mm-hmm. taking seriously. This is kind of the nonsense that you would hear if Elon Musk took over Twitter. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. You'd hear that kind of stuff from crazy people. Uh, California, the uh, legislation uh, that they're working on now uh, will create a four-day work week for large employers so you'll get paid the same amount of money but you'll only work 32 hours instead of 40 and that will apply to uh, any corporation with more than 500 employees so that's good that's good that's good uh and by the way uh also just so you know any work above 12 hours in a day must be compensated at twice your pay rate now, technically, I believe there's an attorney that could make the case that I work for Premier Radio Networks, which is iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. and I need to do four shows in one day. Really? And I get twice the rate. All right. 
<laughs> there you go. We're all going for milkshakes. This is going to work out well. I this think. is going to. No, it's. Yeah. You know, companies are going to love this. Mm-hmm. It makes it so easy for companies to stay afloat. You know, well, that's why we need programs to cover the people when they lose their jobs. Right. You know, when they need to stay home and they no longer can be functional members of society. This is uh, there's a there's a little uh, uh, almost a a wave of dependence that the government brings uh, to those involved in it. And uh, it seems to be the thing that they encourage almost all the time. You know, it would be nice if we were a a country that was built on self-reliance. Instead of reliance oh on the government, this is not Elon Musk Twitter. No, this okay, is, this no. is not okay. the place. These words are not allowed here. They're not allowed mm-hmm. here. Uh, you know what is allowed is the truth. Cut two, please. Here's Joe Biden yesterday. Putin's invasion of Ukraine has driven up gas prices and food prices all over the world. Mm. Ukraine and Russia, the one and two largest wheat producers in the world, were number three. Mm. They're shut down. We saw that in yesterday's inflation data. What people don't know is that 70 percent of the increase in inflation was the consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on oil prices. 70 percent. We need we need to address these high prices and urgently. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, Has anybody noticed how um, how much of an old get off my lawn man he is now? Have you noticed that? He seems to be angry a lot of the times. And this is actually coming from some people in the White House saying that he is he gets a little out of control with his anger uh, once in a while. Um, But he is he'll turn on a dime. He looked angry. I was just watching this clip. He looked angry. But I don't know if you saw that clip earlier this week. I don't know, Stephen, if you have the uh, the clip, the one where he was. Oh, I can't remember what he said. I think it was about Putin, maybe. But he, he all of a sudden, he was like, no, no joke. Yeah. And he started yelling at the audience. You're like, oh, dude, man, you are really get the metal detector. It's time for you to walk on the beach. This is super common with people going through what it appears Joe Biden is going through. Right. When you start to kind of lose your marbles marbles is is what uh-huh. <laughs> that's the well, that's a scientific term i didn't want to get too yeah. you know too too deep into the science there. control of your bowels when you lose uh, when you lose those things yes those things the 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 normal interactions you have with people start to get really frustrating yeah you know and when you you can't you feel like people are mocking you you feel like people are laughing at you yeah. you feel like uh, you can't just pull up that piece of information you know is sitting there in your brain right. somewhere uh, that ha- this happens to older people all the time when they go through this and they get frustrated and angry yeah. and they and they lash out. Can I tell you something? This is, I did, you know, I, don't, uh, I had to get hearing aids this year or this week, this last week. So I went and got hearing aids mm. and, uh, and, and and the doctor said, so what, what are the what, what's your biggest frustration? And I said, my wife, my wife. Is, yeah, was that? I said, take my no. wife, please. I said, my wife is the biggest frustration because I cannot hear. I've lost my upper uh, range of uh, frequency. This sounds a little selective by it you. Does, <laughs> you does just, it does. I can hear everybody but my wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, <laughs> so I said, I, I can't hear. And I'm constantly saying, wait, say that again. What? And, you know. Oh, she must love that. Oh, she oh, does. Oh, yeah. And then finally, she's like, you know, she'll be like, 
you're not wearing pants, <laughs> you know, and I'll be like, you don't have to yell at me. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and she said, this is the biggest problem when you start to lose your hearing is you get really frustrated. Everybody else gets frustrated. Uh, and it's just this weird misunderstanding kind of thing. You're both feeling it mm-hmm. in a different way. And uh, she said, uh, uh, so she was she was doing some things and I started to feel like because word retrieval has become a little weird for me. And I'm like, I mean, I've never been good with words. Words ain't my friend. <laughs> uh, but uh, word retrieval has become a little difficult. And this is like really early if I'm having problems with word r- retrieval. And so I went in and I did his test and um uh you do this you do this test where you're following things on a screen and and it has nothing it seemingly has nothing to do with hearing and i'm like okay that was a fun test i'm here for my ears what i said i'm here for my ears you're not wearing pants <laughs> so anyway uh <laughs> she comes in and she said um you're what was it? Your cognitive or uh, yeah, your cognitive is slowing down. And I said, right. Okay. I didn't think I would hear that from the ear specialist, but yes. Right. What's happening. And she said, that's normal. She said, you don't hear with your ears. You hear with your brain. So your, your ears pick up sound and that sound wave has been connected to a word and a meaning. Mm-hmm. And so the sound comes in and your wor- and your brain usually doesn't, if it can hear clearly, doesn't have to work very hard to put the word in place. Okay. But if you can't hear it, it then has to go through all of the words that that might sound like and then put it into the sentence. More processing time, essentially. Right. So yeah. you're overloading because, you know, there'd be sentences where I'm like, the chicken is wearing shoes. What did you just say? Uh, and and you, that's what I'll really hear. Okay. And so uh, it, it slows things. It slows things down. And it's weird and frustrating. And, uh, you know, I'm not 90 or 80 where he's going to be 80. This guy, you look at him now. He's not there. We just did this special on Wednesday. And. You know, it's just he's checked out. He's checked out. Look at him five years ago giving a speech. You could see it in his eyes. There's nothing there behind the eyes. Rarely is there something there behind the eyes with him. You're like, I don't think he's hello. Is anybody in there? I'm not sure that there is yesterday there was this um viral video that was going around of him at the end of a speech do we happen to have this where he was shaking hands with niblet 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 god bless you okay now look he turns and he looks like he's shaking hands with niblet the uh invisible himalayan sherpa what the heck okay then he just stands and looks and and walks off Okay, looks like a meandering guy. However, if you look at, we checked the camera angles. If you look at all the camera angles, it doesn't look as bad from all angles. It might have been just that angle. It didn't look like he was so befuddled with other angles. Um, And I think it's important that we 
we we dismiss the things that are not re- for instance he's always said crazy things he's always said crazy things but the things that he says occasionally now are much different than the crazy things he used to say and much more dangerous and much more dangerous yeah you know there is i think honestly I, i'm glad you say, said that about looking at the other camera angles because Look, it's easy for us to find. You can always find stuff that makes Joe Biden look bad. I mean, he does it time after time after time. But I think it really is important for the American people to monitor the line here between where Joe Biden is, which is really bad, in my opinion, and where where appears, unfortunately, Dianne Feinstein is, which is unable to seemingly do her job in any way. Uh, that now Democrats are saying that come out to the San Francisco Chronicle and said, hey, we've had meetings with her. She's introducing herself multiple times to us in the conversation. She's not recognizing people who have worked on their staff. There's a joke on Capitol Hill that um, uh, that there is uh, what was it? It was like uh, there is um, a great senior senator or a junior great senator. junior senator mm-hmm. from California and a great experienced staff from the senior senator's office. Yeah. In other uh, words, mean, she can't she can't function at all. And it, what's amazing is nobody has a problem throwing her under the bus. She's become a liability uh, for the hard, hard left, I think. Um, she's not woke enough uh, for them, and they want somebody else. So they're throwing her under the bus, but they won't say a word about Joe Biden. Mm. And you can't. And of course, it's the opposite. As far as importance goes, the opposite is the way to go. I mean, Joe Biden... Look, one senator you know, being but, out of it is really bad, and I feel bad mainly for her. Yeah. Uh, but, like, our country can continue to serve to survive right. that. The, having the president out there calling in, in an answer on gas prices, accusing a country of genocide that has 6,000 nuclear weapons, right or wrong. Right. It should not be how it happened. But I want to I go back to that for a second. Let me take a quick break and come back, because the 25th Amendment everybody's talking about, and... We learned something this week on the show, on the TV show, that is really important to understand. First, let me tell you about the Tuttle Twins. Tuttle Twins have a new book out. Uh, It is called The uh, Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. It is uh, all about the Fed. It's how inflation works. And it has been written so your kids can understand it. And quite honestly, if you've not read The Creature from Jekyll Island, which is, I don't know, a big, thick, you know, scholarly book, um, if if you haven't read that, you're going to learn a lot of stuff uh, about the Fed. Most people don't really understand how the Fed works. And as we are seeing, because, you know, some people are buying in that Putin has caused this inflation. As as you're seeing, most people don't know how inflation even works. The clock is ticking for our economy. And I've asked the Tuttle Twins people, can you make this book available for free? Because I think it is imperative for every family to read this book. Tuttle Twins, the books are excellent. This one is so crucial to read so you can prepare. TuttleTwinsBeck.com. You can get this one free while supplies last. The Tuttle Twins and the Creature from Jekyll Island. That's TuttleTwinsBeck.com. 10 seconds, station ID. So here's the uh, interesting thing about the 25th Amendment. People say we ought to evoke the 25th Amendment. Um, that's what Nancy Pelosi tried to do uh, with um, uh, with changing the law to allow Congress to do it. But that 
Congress just changing a law does not change the Constitution. The Constitution was written in such a way, this particular law, that it can only be his side that pulls people out. So, in other words, an opposing party that, like with Donald Trump, um, can't say, oh, my gosh, he's crazy. We got to get him out and then invoke the 25th Amendment. It has to be the vice president. And what is it? Uh, a third? Ha- yeah, or I thought it was half the cabinet. Half but the it's something cabinet, like something that. Yeah. Like that. Mm-hmm. So it has to be those guys that do it. The people that are in his administration that actually do something like that. It cannot be done any other way. Well, there is a, there's a, another carve out for a a commission of sorts that Congress can name, right? That's what the, her, the direction she was trying to go in. I don't think that's in the 25th Amendment, is it? Yeah, it's. there's two ways to go about it. Because we were just talking about this because I was interested. This is 18 months ago they proposed this. I know. 18 months ago, they proposed this as a change. And, and this is one of the things we talk about all the time. You can not like the person at the top or you look and like the person at the top. Giving them the power, it means that the next person that you probably don't like gets mm-hmm. it as well. Mm-hmm. And here they wanted to give this commission uh, power to throw the president out based on supposed ideas of mental stability. Would they have that now? Because I, they certainly wouldn't vote for that now. The Democrats wouldn't vote for that bill now. Of course not. Of course because not. They because they know what would happen. Republicans would come in and use it, and we should not push for it. It's a very, very bad thing. The 25th Amendment was written because they thought there was a chance that John Kennedy would survive with brain damage and there was no way to get him out of office. The Glenn Beck Program. Do you spend your nights tossing and turning unable to get comfortable enough to fall asleep? Sometimes you sit straight up, turn on the light and go, okay, all right. I've done that. Used to be the same way. uh, My sleep was terrible. For a long time, the whole next day, I'd be dragging my butt around. Then I found my pillow products. My pillow products have really helped me sleep. The pillow, I don't wake up ever, really. Uh, The only time I do is when, because I become that person that travels with a pillow. When I don't have my pillow, you know, my pillow, my pillow. uh, If I don't have that, I wake up and my neck is all screwed up. My pillow is fantastic. And the Giza Dream Sheet, 60% off now. Softest cotton out there. It's Giza cotton. It's great. MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials. Check out the flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. You can do that now with the promo code. You'll also get a copy of Mike Lindell's book for free with your purchase. Enter the promo code back or call 800-966-3117. 800-966-3117. Get the great radio specials. 800-966-3117. Do it now. Number one book in the nation is The Great Reset by Glenn Beck. You should get a copy as well. You can get the first chapter for free at glensnewbook.com. Friends, I want you to put your hands now on the radio. I want you to feel, feel the power of the spoken word as it comes to life to tell you all about a miracle that has happened. Stu, may I ask, do you believe in miracles? I, I do. This yes, is amen. This is Good Friday. This is when uh, the Lord was crucified. This is also Passover, when when the Spirit passed over the houses of the Israelites. Mm-hmm. 
and killed the firstborn in uh, Egypt or someplace. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I have another miracle on the weekend that the Lord rose from the dead. A modern day miracle. Mm. Two women at the New Jersey's only women's prison have both fallen pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Immaculate. It is immaculate. what I would say. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, they did have sex with other women, Mm -hmm. but... I, I, you immaculate. know, it's still mm-hmm. an immaculate, amazing thing. How could that happen scientifically? Don't know. I guess there's no explanation. There is no ex- explanation, none. So they, so these. I women, even thought because this is this 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 is a prison. Um, uh, they're in Clinton, New Jersey. I even thought that. I thought maybe, maybe that's part he of the was miracle, visiting. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it's not not that's incredible mm-hmm. well you know mm-hmm. you, you just don't think mm-hmm. things like this can be possible you think of these miracles as old-timey things from the bible no, this but is, no yeah look at this right here yeah they don't know what they're going to do with the children yet hopefully they carry them to full term it would be great because have... one would be surprising yeah but two in an all-women's prison that's two one would be mm-hmm. surprising but maybe well, there's a i don't know it's a guard no uh, someone no, who no who visited no, uh and no. shouldn't have now listen this is the place it's very progressive okay okay uh they do have 27 transgendered prisoners there uh and uh <laughs> both of these seven mm-hmm, and both oh of these God. uh transgendered uh uh, or these non-transgendered women, they did have sex with with one or two of the transgender women. And but those are just women. Those are just women. Those are just First women. of all, they're women. And, yeah, if you and think- they were, I don't know if they were menstruating at the time. I don't know. I don't know what happened. We don't know if they were men what? The, the If the men, if the, oh. I mean, sorry, the transgendered women okay, got were, were, were menstruating. So, and why didn't what, they get pregnant? What you're saying is that a mm-hmm. woman... A biological woman yes. was in prison mm-hmm. and seemingly mm-hmm. uh, had sex with mm-hmm. a biological man. And the result no. of that was no. a pregnancy. You don't understand Immaculate. This. You know what you need? You need a good priest. You need a good priest. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Father Stu yet? No. It's, it's got it's, your name in it. it yeah. <laughs> Everyone keeps telling me. Yeah. Father <laughs> Stu. It it's looks not good. not actually my name, but that's a whole different yeah, story. But it's getting bad reviews, is it not? Yeah, it is actually. Something like 45%. Is that uh, from the critics or the audience? Uh, critics, 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the audience seems to love it. It's like 94% with the audience. What's the deal with the critics, you think? I don't know. Ms. Mel Gibson? It's a, it is a Mel Gibson. Yeah, is that why the critics? Because they just yeah. Can't I mean, I think that's probably it. It's hard. I, actually, forty five percent for a Mel Gibson movie from critics in twenty twenty two might actually be his top of the line. Yeah. Well, it might also be because you know of all of the swearing in it. I mean, rated R. It's a rated know, R movie. Yeah, and I don't know why he would do that. Um, well, yeah, I do. I mean, I you know probably was written by jews <laughs> <laughs> i don't think 
don't think that's that, Mel Gibson huh. provide you with that joke. Uh, yeah. Okay. yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. No, it's not he like no, he didn't. It's not like no, we're gonna get. It's not like we're gonna do that. You know, we're gonna be doing an interview with Mel Gibson anytime soon. That's so true. Has no consequence okay. whatsoever. Just for fun. Uh, all right. Jerry wrote in about her dog's experience with Rough Greens. Uh, she said, "I listened to Glenn Beck rave about this product for years before I started to try it. Trial bag was more than enough to see the results I needed to continue purchasing more. My 12-year-old dog is playing and running again. I could tell the difference after the second feeding. Wow, it's magical nutritional stuff. No buyer's remorse here. Rough greens, not a dog food. It is something you put on the dog's food. Probiotics, antioxidants, everything you need. You can get that first free bag. All you pay for is shipping by going to roughgreens.com slash Beck. That's roughgreens.com slash Beck. When we come back, my Easter message. Next. Stay informed. Sign up for the free newsletter today at glenbeck.com. Today, we're going on a journey. They say that time itself does not exist as we know it. As we understand it, it only really exists as something called space-time. It's really only a point on a giant map. Something that we can use to find out where we are, where we've been, or where we're going. So let's unfold space-time and trace our way back. First, maybe just a couple of years. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the, the world. United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. On my orders, the United States military has begun strike against Al-Qaeda terrorist training camps. The people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Now back even further. Princess Diana died around I did four not have this vast right-wing conspiracy. Now, he is O.J. Simpson. He is armed with a gun. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down Outside this of his apartment. Elvis Presley died today. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. Because of what has happened in Munich during the past 48 hours, or nine terrified living human beings are being held prisoner. A second shot, the third total shot, hit the president's head. Dr. Martin Luther King has been shot to death in Memphis. A short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. December 7th, 1941. A date which will live in infamy. Oh, Back farther still, even before Marconi, when the air was silent. Back past the signing of the Declaration of Independence, past the Age of Enlightenment, before Martin Luther hung his protest on the church doors, before Columbus rediscovered the fact that the world was round. We go past Newton, Galileo, the Dark Ages, the Crusades, back to a time before books, when most of the world couldn't read nor write, and history 
was oral. We leave this world now where we can hear and see a lone protester standing in front of a tank in a country on the other side of the planet and we can see it live. To a world seemingly simple, yet brutal beyond our understanding, where news was spread from mouth to mouth. We stop here at approximately 29 of the Common Era. We stop at a small walled city in the Middle East. It's around 10 o'clock at night, just a couple of days before Passover. The meals are being prepared, the night's meal had already been eaten, and most in the city are asleep. One man, however, is not. It's strange. He's younger than I am. He's about 30. He's awake and alone in a garden. His friends who have been with him for several years are just a few yards away. They slumber underneath the star-filled sky. They still don't know that even though they sleep, the world is about to wake. Eleven of twelve men sleep beside a hill. One man awake. He couldn't sleep, for he knew. He was in a garden, in prayer, praying so hard about what he knew was about to come, praying so hard that blood actually dripped from his pores in a place of sweat. Back at the hill, when he returned, he begged his friends to wake and pray with him. They didn't know how serious his request really was, they had no idea what was just to come. He pleaded with his friends, Why will you not rise and pray with me? He asked this again before returning to the garden alone. He knelt there on rocky soil, his hands clasped, his head bowed. Twilight dew draped his neck, the horizon still in black. He prayed, he prayed even harder, for the sky would eventually turn purple, then light blue, and he knew what awaited him. Back to the hill once more, his friends asleep. He begged his friends, rise, rise and pray with me. I need you now more than ever. They said they would, but shortly after he left, they fell asleep again. The dawn was even closer, and he knew his time was running out. Now over the hill, they marched like flowing lava burning in the night's solace. The eleven are surely awake now. They have sworn their faith to him, but he knows, he knew this wasn't true. They'll weaken and he'll be forsaken, forsaken by the same men who just swore their undying devotion. The torchlights grow brighter the hourglass running low, the clanging of the metal swords and spears, the sound and the vibration of the march deep down from their feet to their spine, creating a shallow vibration, leaving them quivering. The soldiers approach. The one is grabbed and kissed, betrayed with a kiss, a kiss wearing the mask of loyalty. One of the men leap forward, draws his sword, cutting the ear off one of the soldiers. He raises his hand. No. 
peace. Take me now in peace. For this is my purpose. This is my being. This is the reason I came. Now one of them, Peter, strays. While his friend is being persecuted for crimes he didn't commit, he stands by a fire, denying any relationship he has as he tries to blend in with the common people. A woman approaches. Didn't I see you with him? Peter says, surely I don't know him, but you're from Galilee. For the third time, Peter says, I do not know this man. Now Jesus is pulled back and forth between the two who will determine his fate. They can't see any crime, but they still question, scourge, and mock him. Aren't you the king? Silence. Then here is your crown, says one as they give him a crown of thorns and press it into his head. He stands before the judge, who could condemn him for no crime, but it is Passover. He says to the crowd, You, you can choose. One I will release. Him as the king of the Jews, or... Jesus, standing silent, his eyes to the ground, is condemned to death. Jesus now carries his cross through the stone-clad streets to the place known as the Skull, the place where he will soon die. His back torn, his head bleeding beneath his thorny crown. The women cry out loud as he passes. He pauses for a moment and comforts them. Do not weep for me. Rather, weep for yourselves. His mother looks on as huge nails are driven through his hands and his feet. They raise the cross and slam it into the ground. It is at this point that all four writers of the gospel struggled with a description of the crucifixion, as I have. They described with the only words that I could use. And they crucified him. He now hung on the cross as the soldiers bid lots on his clothing below. Next to him, two criminals hang, but they are simply tied to the cross. One of them says, You're the son of God. Save us now. Save all of us. The man in the middle does nothing, for he had a purpose. The afternoon passes. His skin stretched. He wept. He begged for water, and they gave him a sponge on a reed filled with vinegar. In a moment where he showed us that he was truly human, he cried out and said, My father, my father, why have you forsaken me? The sky began to grow dark. It was approaching three o'clock on a Friday afternoon when Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, spoke once more and only once. His last words, it is finished. So today, people all over the world do 
as I do now. I thank that lone carpenter for dying, dying on that Friday afternoon, so I may live. <laughs>